Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note I am not a doctor or health professional in any way. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your doctor or mental health professional first. Today we are discussing fecal microbiota transplant or FMT with autoimmune health coach Jillian Little, who is back for the second time. You know her story from episode 16. And if you haven't listened, it's a great episode with so many gems that I still think about all the time. Jillian Little is a writer, healer, artist, self-healer, and functional medicine certified health coach. She specializes in helping clients reverse symptoms of chronic illness and autoimmune disease. Having successfully navigated the U.S. healthcare system for 26 years and counting, she is uniquely qualified to assist others in taking back their lives from the vicious cycle of chronic illness, fatigue, and pain conditions. As an autoimmune and UC warrior herself, she believes in the mind-body-spirit process of healing for herself and her clients. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I'm excited to have you back. You're returning. That means you did something well the first time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> and okay, Jillian, I'm going to hand this episode over to you. But first, I just want to define FMT for our listeners. And I just want to give a little background. And then we're going to hear your story. And I am dying to hear this story. So... Let's start out by defining FMT for the listeners. Fecal microbiota transplant is when you take stool from healthy donors and extract only the microbial cells to create safe FMT implants. In simple terms, you take a green heart or a perfect poo from a healthy person and implant it into a person who has an unhealthy or unbalanced gut or microbiome. The result is the FMT is supposed to make the gut healthy again. Please note, for those of you looking to receive FMT in the U.S., people can only receive this procedure if they show a history of recurrent C. diff which has not responded to antibiotics. Therefore, Americans most likely will have to do what Jillian did and use a facility in the UK. That's correct, right, Jillian? That is correct, yeah. There's a lot of red tape around it, and it was only about 10 years ago that the FDA decided to classify. They basically decided we're going to call it a biologic drug. We're going to call poop a biologic drug. So nice. now we have to test it and we have to make sure it's safe and under the guise of making sure that it was safe. But of course, they've never done any tests or tried to give us any you know, access to the treatment. And my opinion on that is that it's not something you can patent. It's a naturally occurring substance, bacteria. I'd like to from patent my shit. I'd like yeah. to make some money. <laughs> there are some people who could patent their poop and make a lot of money. So it's <laughs> not something there's a lot of incentive to like give access to, I guess, if you're pharma, right? <laughs> or the FDA who's kind of like in cahoots with pharma. But you're only allowed to do it in the US if you have tried antibiotics unsuccessfully I think at least twice, and then they'll give you that option. But in other show. countries, they're using it to treat all kinds of stuff. Because as we know, gut health is the root of many health problems. Yeah, and you have to show a real history of it. I was looking, 
I was looking yeah. it up, and even in 2023, you have to show you've been through this many antibiotics, you've been in the emergency room. It's like a whole ordeal. Yeah, it's kind of sad because the antibiotics, as we know, can damage your gut and lead to other problems. Ironic, with fecal, huh? With fecal transplant, there's really not a lot of downside. If they're doing a good job of screening the donors, there's really no risks. There's no side effects. There's no downside. So the fact that they would make you do this other riskier thing first, it doesn't make sense to me. So hopefully it makes that sense will if they want money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, <Exactly. laughs> if, if they want money, it makes sense. So you were diagnosed with UC in the 1990s at the age of 15. Thus, your gut has obviously taken a hit as well as all of ours with UC. Right. What made you want to get FMT? Were there gut issues that you just couldn't get rid of no matter how much you tried? At age 15, I was not taking my health seriously, really. And I wasn't, you know, it took me a long time before I started trying to figure out the right diet to eat and taking care of myself and really trying to take responsibility for it. So I was in my 20s by the time I was really working with like a naturopath, doing all the work. And I just, got to a point where I was very, very sick and I was going through medications and I was being hospitalized and I was trying this, that, and the next thing. And I was just very desperate. And I was working with this naturopath that sort of told me about FMT and told me about a book called An Epidemic of Absence, which Basically, the absence referred to in the title is talking about how we live in this super hygienic society where we're over-prescribing antibiotics, we're using antibacterial everything, we're sanitizing everything, and we've basically deprived ourselves of the healthy microbial diversity that we would normally say. have had. Right. So that sort of turned me on to what this was. And, and I was like, yes, that's me because I was put on antibiotics as a teenager for my skin by a dermatologist. So I was taking antibiotics for like three years, right at the same time that I was being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and no one ever pieced that together. <laughs> like no one ever thought to question that at all. So years later, here I am reading this book going, this is it. This is exactly what happened to me. I have taken way too many antibiotics in my life and my gut's a mess. And people talk about taking probiotics, but that really they have a transitory effect. So it's just going to help you like that day that you take them. It's not going to really alter the terrain and the actual colonies of bacteria living in your gut permanently. And the only way to really permanently alter that terrain is through FMT, through taking the actual bacteria from a healthy person's gut and putting it in your gut. I kind of glommed on to this idea that this was going to be the thing that I needed to do. And of course, it was like a year or two after I realized that it was now illegal in this country to do it. 
what I did was I did a DIY FMT at home with my, well, he was my oh husband then, my but now my ex-husband. <laughs> I cannot wait to Which, hear the story. This kind of speaks to the desperation of, you know, when you're very sick and you're suffering and you feel like you're out of options, you will try anything. And so I was literally willing to collect stool from my husband and just in my bathroom, this is what I did. And I'm not going to, I would never tell anyone to do this. Okay. Just to preface the story because I took the stool, I put it in a blender with some distilled water. I blended it down. I put it in little enema bottles. I didn't test it. I didn't filter it. I didn't do anything. It literally was toxic waste that I was putting up inside of my body. I was getting sick every time I did it. I did it about five times, I think, every other day for 10 days. And I was kind of making myself sick every time I did it because you're putting toxic waste up inside yourself. And then I would immediately expel it and be like, oh, God, I'm so sick. But I had been having a flare at the time. I was bleeding. I was passing blood. And by the 10th day, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm making myself sick. This is crazy. Three days later, I stopped bleeding. And it was like, oh, my God, something has happened to shift this in a positive direction here, right? Nothing I'd ever tried as far as natural treatments had ever stopped a flare, you know, when you're fully in a flare state. So I went to the doctor, I had a stool test called a fecal calprotectin, which is a marker of, you know, inflammation. And my stool results went from like 800 down to 100 or something, just doing this. And, and I remember the doctor my gastroenterologist, just mainstream conventional GI doctor, he said, well, I cannot discount your efforts. And that was the only thing he was going to say to like validate that I had done something that had helped myself. He wanted to discount my efforts, but he couldn't basically (laughs) was what he was saying. It's like, okay, this actually worked and it did something for me. And then after a few weeks, it sort of wore off and I started to get sick again. But it was enough. It was enough for me to go, okay, this is something. And if I were to get it done at a, at a really good place where they're actually doing it right, and they're filtering out the toxic part and they're in a clinical setting, like this is I just knew it was going to be something that helped me. So at that point, I found a place in England, which is like one of the top places. It's called the Taymount Clinic. And I went to England and I did the real thing. So I'm going to stop you for one second just to ask you a couple questions. So how many rounds do you think, and this is if you just have to guess, guess, how many rounds of antibiotics do you think were given to you as a child to teenager? 
Oh, man. Even as like a baby, my mom said I had chronic ear infections. So they were giving me tons of antibiotics. And I was not breastfed. I was given formula. It was everything that we know now (laughs) that we shouldn't do. I was given tons of antibiotics. I was given fake, you know, baby formula. I was unwell, just set up right from the start. Not great. And then by the time I was around puberty, they had me on antibiotics for like a couple years to treat acne, which obviously there's root causes to that as well that I was not addressing. And they say like one round of antibiotics can disturb your microbiome for up to two years. So even just one course can really mess you up. But to be consistent, you're taking five, 10, 20 courses of antibiotics. There are consequences to that, which they weren't thinking about 20 years ago. They didn't know. And and you have to remember 20 years ago, you guys, um, because Jillian and I are about the same age, you would go into a doctor, you have a cold, here's an antibiotic. You you sniffle, here's an antibiotic. They had no problem with giving it to children. I was very lucky in that because my mother didn't believe in antibiotics. So I hardly had them as as a child, which is very strange for someone my age. So I guess I was lucky in that. But but I did also try and I can't remember the name of the drug. Tetracycline, I think because I had some problems. Okay, that's it looks like a little bumblebee or it did at the time. And then those didn't work. And then I did Accutane. Now Accutane is like Uh, crazy. Accutane, I don't even know if they prescribe it these days. You have to have a blood test to go on it. It's hardcore. I will tell you this. It worked really well. (laughs) Within four months, my skin was like porcelain. It looked beautiful and it never came, my acne never came back. So it really did work. I will say that, but I have chronic dry skin that I can never get rid of. And I pinpoint that to Accutane. I've tried everything you can, diet, uh, essential oils, moisture, you know, whatever, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. So please explain the entire process of how did you research this? How did you find this place? And if you could say the name again, and you ended up going to these people, why did you select them? Well, if you start researching it, you'll realize that there's only a handful of people in the world who are really pioneering this research and really doing this for people. So the main one is the Taymount Clinic and the guy running that is the main guy who's like done all this research. They do them in Australia as well. Yeah. I believe there's a place. The Taymount Clinic is the main place that will keep coming up if you do if you do research. So it's the most reputable place to go. Is it near London? Yes, and it's okay. it's sort of like a little bit north of the city in a country village. Cool. It's yeah, it's a cute little English countryside type thing. I went with my mom. It was a two-week thing. I was calling it my poop vacation because we were, you know, staying in the English countryside. And it was, I guess, an act of desperation because it's a very expensive thing to travel to another country for for two weeks. And the treatment itself was kind of expensive. Yeah, I just felt like I had done so many other things from the diet to this, this, that, and the next thing that I just thought this is going to be 
the thing that helps me. And I was dead set on it. So explain the process of how did you make the arrangements for the transplant? How did you travel to England? The day of the procedure, the recovery? I've heard it's a 10-day process. You're saying two weeks. So if you could take us through that process, that would be great. The people at the clinic were very helpful. When I reached out initially, they helped me figure out where to book an Airbnb and, you know, the directions and all of the like details and logistics of it. It's a two week thing because it's 10, it's 10 days, 10 transplants, but it's Monday to Friday. And then you have a weekend and then it's Monday to Friday again. The first day of the treatment, they do a colonic irrigation. So you, let me stop you here. Cause I just yeah. want to walk people through the process. So you make the arrangements Do you make the airline arrangements separately? They do it or you do it? Where do you fly? Okay. Do you fly into Heathrow? Do you fly into London? Fly into Heathrow. That's London, right? Yep. So we rented a car and I think the Airbnb was an hour north of London. And then there was maybe a 30 minute drive each day back and forth to to the clinic. And you drove on the other side of the road? Yeah, I had my I mother do with it. me and she drove the first day and it was, I felt as though it was a near-death experience. Oh, that would be like, like driving I'm going to drive from now on. It was, yeah, and we had this massive SUV because they, most of their cars are standard or they're, yeah, they're like manual transmissions and we didn't know how to drive that. So we have this giant SUV trying to figure out how to go through like roundabouts, like driving the wrong side of the road. And that was an adventure for sure. So, okay. So you're there, you have the Airbnb. Tell us about the process of from day one, this is what we did. I mean, the whole place is a lovely setup. It's very clean. Everyone's very friendly, very professional. The whole place is really nice. It's what you would expect from spending, I think it's 6000 US dollars just to get the treatment. So you expect that it's kind of like a top of the line experience. And it was. The first day they did a colonic, which I had never had. And I'm quite sensitive. So it was for me kind of an intense experience. They like shoot water up inside you and like rub your stomach and they're trying to clean you out so that when they put the new bacteria in there, it has some place to take hold. I view it as sort of you're planting seeds in a garden. And so you might have this barren wasteland of a field and you're just throwing some seeds out there and hoping it takes hold. They want to weed the garden first. They want to get everything out, get it clean, give the new guys a, a place to take hold. They also gave me a bunch of information about diet. They had a particular probiotic drink that they were giving everyone to have every day this prebiotic kind of fiber supplement. So it's not just the FMT. They're very aware that this is part of a bigger picture here. So we're not just throwing some seeds into a barren field. We're also going to talk about the fertilizer. We're going to talk about tending your seeds. We're going to talk about all of this, a big picture thing. So the first day we did the colonic, I think they did an implant that first day. And then every 
other day I went back, you know, we just had another implant. You, they put it in, you just lay there on the table and chill out for a little bit. And, and then you go back home and I think they do a different donor, a different transplant every time. So they screen their donors really well and they choose to collect species from people that they know are eating a very clean organic diet. They're exercising. The people that they're choosing to collect stool from are in the top echelon of healthy people, right? So in addition to that, they're going to screen for anything, any kind of pathogens. They're filtering it down so that it's just the bacteria you're getting. It's a very clinical process and they have thought of everything. So every day you're getting a different donor. You're not just getting the exact same implant every time. And the idea is that you just want as much diversity as possible because for example with C with a C diff infection that's one strain of one bacteria that has taken over it's living not in balance with the rest of the bacteria in your gut it's taking over so the idea is that you have as many strains of bacteria as possible and they're all living in balance and harmony with each other and so yeah i think that was a an important thing to note for me was that they were using a different person every day, a different donor every day. Okay, let me back up a little bit because I want to know more about the actual details. So for mm -hmm. example, how much time did this take? When you went in and you got the actual implant, how long per session? Was it like a colonoscopy? Did you have to get sedated? How did right. you feel in regard to eating? Could you eat normally? All of that. Yeah. So the first day when they did the colonic, that was probably like the hardest part for me. That was the most yeah. like invasive part of it. So every other day I'd go in and it was probably, I was only there an hour. So it was a pretty quick thing. You go in, you lay down on the table, you roll over onto your left side. They insert a small tubing that sort of gets fed in so that it goes up higher into your GI tract. And then it's just a really small, um, because it's just the bacteria, it's not none of the other like fecal matter. It's just a few tablespoons of bacteria that they then inject up into the tube that goes into your GI tract. So, and then I, they put some other like saline or something with it. It's a really small amount. They get it as high up in your GI tract as they can. And you just then lay there on your back and they give you a little bit of like a abdomen massage to kind of move it up around. And, and that's it. It's like, honestly, it was like so simple and easy. And if you've ever, I mean, if you have UC or Crohn's or something, you you've probably at some point done like an, an enema or something like that. It's nowhere as near as bad as a colonoscopy. It's just 
a simple, small tube that they put up inside you and take out immediately. And it's honestly, I would do one every day if I could, (laughs) if I could, just for fun, I could not take any other medication (laughs) and just do this. I would do this. That's a quote of the episode. I like that. So can you eat normally during those two weeks? And also with how do you feel? In other words, can you go in there, get this done and then go touring the Lake District or wherever you were? How did that work? Right. I was anticipating that I might not feel good. So I was not planning anything and we would just kind of go back to the Airbnb and have a restful afternoon or whatever. But it was, it honestly didn't make me feel bad at all. Like I, there were a few days where we just went and did some touristy things and I was eating normally, but normally for me is eating pretty specifically, you know, trying to eat really healthy and clean and stuff like that. There was a farm market nearby our Airbnb Mm. where I could buy fresh veggies and meat and stuff. So to me, it was a little bit like a vacation. It was my poop yeah. vacation because I was I like, like it. Your an hour vacation. a day, right? an hour a day of doing this, having this quick treatment done. And then I was just in the English countryside with my mom and, and hanging out. By like the second treatment, I had all this joint pain in my hands and it went away. It just went away by like day two, it was gone. And I was just, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is actually working. They sort of warn you that you might feel like there might be days where you feel a little bit weepy or like have emotions come up or you might be really tired or this, that. The next thing, I guess everybody experiences things a little differently, but I didn't feel bad at all. If anything, I immediately started to feel better and more and more like myself again. So, yeah. That's amazing. So, mm-hmm. with regard to money, you said that it was 6,000 US dollars. When did you have this done? What year? It was 2016, I believe. Okay, so the price has probably gone up considerably. That's my guess. I think so, it was about the same. Like I just searched it and I feel oh, like it's about the same as it was then. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Let's just say six thousand US dollars for the treatment. And then you're paying let's not include your mom in this. Let's let's just talk about you. So then you have to pay for plane ticket. Airbnb, rental car. So would you say between all that, did that add on maybe another 2000 to 4000 or you think Yeah, I well, so with my mom it was 10 to 12000. dollars okay. I don't know, if you remove her airfare. Obviously I still would right. be paying for an Airbnb and a car rental and sure, all the same sure, things. Sure. So yeah, probably another 3 thousand dollars if you're just going by yourself three or four it would be safe to say maybe you would advise our listeners for this procedure from soup to nuts save ten thousand us dollars yeah and they also have a clinic i think in the bahamas which might be more appealing (laughs) to people i have a friend who lives in the bahamas who i can stay with there you go you could just stay with (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, I have to look this up now. I have to really look. No, but seriously, she has a guest house and she's like, come anytime. I should just, yeah, I, I should take about, a poop vacation. Yeah, you should take a poop If you go on poop <laughs> vacation, I'll come with you. Cause oh my God, yes. <laughs> I feel like I think about it all the time. I'm like, I could do more of those. Like I could, I would do that again. This is the other part of it is that it's not meant to be a treatment that's okay. We gave you your 10 implants and now you're fixed. That's it. Their advice is to keep doing it for a little while, at least because they send you home with two implants that you can do at home. And they say, you know, for people who have more serious health problems or more significant dysbiosis, they would say, keep doing this maybe once a month for another six months or for another year, even up to two years is their advice at the clinic that this is not just, okay, we did it. It's done. You're fixed. It's a treatment that is throwing seeds into a field. You don't just walk away and go, okay, I did it. I'm a farmer now. <laughs> you have to keep you have to keep maintaining it. You have to keep doing it. You go check on those seeds. Maybe you need to weed. Maybe you need to throw a few more seeds in. It's an ongoing thing. So I would tell people to think of it like that. It's one tool of many. But that gets expensive. If they want you to do it yeah. once a month, then oh my God, I can't imagine. I think once you make the initial investment and do that, then they just sell you Ah, like okay. a little poopsicle to take home with you kind of thing, you know, and that's not that expensive to keep, you know, if you want to yeah. do one once a month. But can they it send it to the U.S.? And that's the thing is they cannot send it. To yeah, the that's US what I thought. Because yeah. it's illegal here yeah, and they yeah, can yeah, stop yeah. the customs. And they even told me when they sent me home with the two, you might get stopped because, you know, they might take these from you. And I was, I'm smuggling them in. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we have to try to get around that kind of red tape because so many people could be helped by this yeah. treatment. And it is comparatively so safe and could be done so safely that it kind of drives me crazy that it's not just something that we can opt to do, that you would have to have $10,000 to go do something like this is a crime because honestly, it's poop. It's not expensive. It's free, actually. <laughs> if you know a healthy friend that you could collect their stool from, it should be a cheap and accessible treatment. It really should be, but it's not right now. You know what I think is going to happen? <laughs> I think that once the word gets out, at least here in the U.S., I guarantee you people are going to learn how to do the filtering and all this type of thing, and they're just going to be doing it themselves. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I did it myself the yeah. way I did it is like kind of wild. I think people do do it themselves, but you also run a big risk with that. Yeah. There could be pathogens in there. You don't, you don't know it's yep. a risk. Don't do it. We're saying don't, right, right. do not do, to be clear. So it's now seven years later from you receiving FMT. Are you happy with the results still? I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard some yeah. people say that 
it was great for the first year, first year and a half, right. and I went back to something else. Who knows that person's lifestyle? Who knows the stress? Who knows blah, blah, blah. So I was just curious, how do you feel about it? I still am glad that I did it. I feel like I helped myself in some way. I'm sure there is some lasting effect, but I wish I could have continued doing it because I remember, aside from feeling my joint pain go away and my digestive health improved and stuff like that, one of the big things I noticed was my anxiety went away. That makes sense. Crazy. And I I remember thinking, oh my God, this is how normal people feel. <laughs> like this is <laughs> like this is like how a person without anxiety just goes through life, tra la la. It blew my mind. Because I've had anxiety probably since I was a child, right? I've had a messed up gut since I was a baby, so they go hand in hand. But I remember all of a sudden I was like, this is what it feels like to not have anxiety. No wonder everyone's accomplishing so much with their lives. <laughs> but then it was maybe like a few months of feeling really good. And then I started to notice it kind of wearing off. And this was at the point where I was like, this is where I should be doing one a month or whatever yeah. to kind of keep it going and maintaining that. And I didn't have the access to it. This is why I say I would do it every day if I could. Like if it was available, I would do this all the time. And so I'm glad I did it. I think it helped. It exposed me to a whole new thing of like, oh, this is how I can feel. It didn't necessarily solve all my problems. But I think at the time I was so fixated on this is going to be the one thing that like yeah. solves all my problems. And that's where people fall into this trap of they're looking for a quick fix. One thing that's going to fix it. Getting sick with a complex illness is multifaceted. There are many things that contributed to getting sick. And there are many things that are going to contribute to getting better. So this is just one tool, one thing of many. Okay, good. That's good results. I mean, I think for me, listening to all this, if I was someone who had nonstop access to these clinics, for example, I lived near them in England, Australia, Bahamas. Yeah, I'd invest in it because it's exactly what you said. You get one once a month, then I, I understand all that. I think that's interesting. But I'm glad that it worked for you. I think it's a really good option for people to set them on the right path. So, and hopefully it's coming to the US. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, you never know, you never know. So you can follow Jillian on Instagram at notes period on period healing. I am going to put this all in the show notes. You can find out information about her one-on-one -on -one coaching at JillianLittle.com. And you guys, please remember that she is a autoimmune disease coach. Please remember that she's had UC for how many years? Something like 30, 30 something? <laughs> 27, I think. Yeah, something like that. Almost 30 years. So you know this subject upwards, backwards, forwards, whatever you want to say. And you can also gain instant access to 
to all of her best chronic illness resources, which I really enjoyed at selfhealerstoolkit.com. And of course, we're putting this all in the show notes. Jillian, is there anything else you'd like to say before I close out the episode? I just want to thank you for having me on. This is one of those topics. I swear I talk about poop more than most people. (laughs) I, you know, not everyone wants to hear about it, but it is honestly your daily poop is like a daily report card on your health and healing from major complex chronic illness is a very difficult and complex thing. And the more we can talk about it and bring awareness to this kind of stuff, the better. So thank you for wanting to know all of this, (laughs) all these weird, odd details of stuff like this. Well, I agree with you. In Ayurveda, they say that your poo is your report card. So I'm glad that we're bringing this to the forefront. And that was one of my goals of starting this podcast is to alleviate the stigma and just be open about it. And so that brings up what I'm about to say. As you guys know, in my household, when we have the perfect poo, when you just slide that baby out, you turn around on the toilet and you're saying, oh my God, I'm so proud of myself. It's perfectly formed. There's no blood. It's the perfect color. We call that a green heart. I always wish the listeners a green heart day. Jillian, what do you wish our listeners? I wish all of you a green heart day. (laughs) And a poop vacation. I love that. (laughs) Thank you, Jillian. You're welcome.